Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Get a Grip. It's PJ Championship Week. Hope everybody's excited for second major of 2022. Uh, I'm excited. I love Tulsa, Oklahoma. I almost went to school at Tulsa. almost played golf at, uh, at Tulsa University back in the day and obviously decided not to do that. Um, there's pictures of me somewhere on my mom's computer or elsewhere of me wearing multiple Golden Hurricanes hats and being all fired up to go to Tulsa and play golf. I remember getting a little uh, a tour on my uh, my first college trip out there to Tulsa, you know, drive you up to 18 uh, at Southern Hills. And you've got to remember, this would have been 02. So this is right after the whole Goosen situation and Sink situation there at the 18th. So fresh on our minds, uh, got the whole tour. The golf course obviously looking very different than it looks now in 2022. And that's why I asked uh, my friend and one of the greatest people in our sport, Gil Hans, to join me today just to chat a little bit about the golf course, what he did to the golf course, what he expects to see from the players this week, uh, very happy that Gil had a few minutes to chat with this as he's getting ready to go uh, walk around the golf course with broadcasters and other people that uh, are getting set for a big week in Tulsa. Uh, so big thanks to Gil. Before we get to Gil, I-, I wanted to throw my pick out. I-, I rarely do this on the podcast before the week, but I always call it the non-Max Homa edition of my pick. I mean, I'm always picking Max to win every golf tournament. So this is the non-Homa edition of my pick. Uh, I tweeted it out on Tuesday. Uh, it was cryptic, if you will. I just tweeted out a picture of uh, the the Grand Slam from Denny's uh, and had people try to figure out what I was saying with that. But I'm going with Jordan Spieth. Uh, it's chalky. I understand that. But when you look at Jordan's record uh, in the majors and in the PGA Championship, it's pretty good. He had a second, of course, in 15 when he finished behind Day when he was trying to win a third major that year. But 13th and 16th, uh, 12th in 2018, T3 and 19. Uh, hasn't missed a cut at a PJ Championship since 2014. As you'll hear from Gil, very important this week in terms of iron play to have success and around the greens. What better player do you want to have uh, hitting pitch shots and hitting irons into greens than Jordan Spieth? So, you know, I, I root for history. I feel like it's been a, a lackluster historical year in golf. You know, you think about this time last year. I mean, Hideki becoming the first male Japanese player to win the Masters. We had these comeback stories from so many players. Obviously, we're getting closer and closer to Phil Mickelson uh, breaking the age-winning number at the PGA. And uh, of course, I'm not going to get into all the Phil Mickelson stuff this week or this podcast would be two and a half hours. But, you know, we had a lot of history last year and I'm looking for a little history this year. And so I'm going to go with Jordan. I'm going to go with Spieth. I'm going with the career Grand Slam. I think it'd be really cool for it to happen so close to his home as well. Obviously, he's going to have a lot of fans out there playing alongside Rory and Tiger on Thursday and Friday. But it's going to be a great week. I love Tulsa, like I said, almost with the school there. And um, and uh, I'm just excited to, uh, to get some major golf in my life. Uh, and with that said... Uh, let's get to our guest, one of the uh, one of the masterminds of golf restoration, Gil Hans. Joined now by Gil Hans, one of my favorite people in all of golf. Gil, first, I want you to take us through your process of restoration, if you could. I know that's probably a all encompassing question, but. When you start, when you start kind of looking at these historic golf courses like something like Southern Hills, what's step one? You know, what's step five? What's step ten? What are you doing to kind of get the ball rolling? Yeah, I think from our standpoint, and thanks for having me on, you're one of my favorite people too. Oh, well, that's Not only just in golf. Oh, thank Um, you. See, you're one-upping me already. Yeah, there we go. Um, Yeah, it, it really is just trying to do the research and trying to get as much information as we can. You know, first off, it's walking the golf course. It's kind of getting out and 
getting it underfoot. And then uh, once, you know, the club decides they want to go with us and Jim and I uh, start doing a lot of the research and just trying to figure out, you know, in this case, what did Perry Maxwell do here? You know, what did Tillinghast do at, at Wingfoot? And I, and I think it's really critical from our standpoint to find out specifically. You know, we don't like to use the word typically because I think that means you didn't do your research. So it's, you know, what did he do here? Maybe completely different from what he did at a place like Dornick Hills. So I think it's, it's, and we were lucky, Clyde Christman, the club historian here, gave us all kinds of archival information. You know, we've been lucky working at these places that have that. If we work at a club that doesn't have a lot of um, historic information, then it's dive into aerial photographs and try and ascertain as much as we possibly can from, from those. So, yeah, it's, it's almost like being in school and just doing research. Is the philosophy for you guys to bring it back to exactly what it was? I mean, is that the end goal for you? Not, no, no, it's not a hundred percent because I think that would then neglect to say that the game has evolved or the maintenance has evolved or right. things have changed within the game that would make the original design perhaps not desirable. But I think it's within the context of, okay, you know, the greens positions aren't going to change, but if we add, you know, length to a hole, if, you know, and we don't get hung up on that. Well, in Maxwell's day, this hole was supposed to be, you know, a driver and a six iron. What is it going to take to go back to that? Because, you know, who, who's, which golfer is that? You know, who hits driver six iron? What happened? You know, so it becomes one of those things where we look at the entirety of the picture and we try to update as much as possible within the context of the original design. Um, like we're not going to move a bunker 50 yards downrange because that's where the landing area is if that's over a hill and you can't see it. So it, it, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of research in trying to pinpoint these things, but then at the end of the day, the recommendations that we put forward are looking at how the game is played in this day and age. What is it like being the guy? I mean, you're now kind of the the restoration king, if you will. And, I mean, you've done some unbelievable original work. And, I mean, we'll talk about that on the back end because I just had an opportunity to go to a hoopie, and that place is next level. And you did a great job on that golf course. But what is it like Thank now you. kind of being this guy that has touched up some of the best golf courses, not just in the United States but elsewhere, and now kind of being in the rhythm of doing this? You know, now you're doing – you know, you're doing LACC and you're doing Baltusrol and you're doing Southern Hills. You're doing all these kind of elite golf courses. What is it like being the man that everybody's kind of looking at as doing this work? Um, it's humbling. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great responsibility, but not one that we, you know, shy away from. I think we're, we're comfortable in, in working in these types of situations. I think it, you know, the, the, the cool thing about it, Shane, is that we, we get to learn a lot about what the greatest architects that people perceive as the greatest architects uh, did. And that's only going to inform us and make our work better when we do our original stuff. It's going to give us ideas, thoughts, et cetera. So I think at the end of the day, uh, what it boils down to is, is willing to do the research and willing to spend the time getting the details right. I think, you know, no matter what you do, I mean, whether it's you doing a broadcast or it's us doing a golf course or it's, an architect building a building it's the details it's get it's spending that time you know i don't know what the saying is you know 95 percent of people can do you know 90 percent of the job but right. it's the small group of people that do it all i think that's something that we feel we bring to the table on these projects and i think ultimately that that and you know the talents of our guys you know on this project you know seamus and brent and tanner and josh and jim and i you know there's a lot of people putting forth the effort to get the details right 
And I think that's what's let us, you know, put us in that position is that we were willing. We never rest on our laurels. Uh, you know, it's just, okay, the next, next course up, how do we get those details right at that place? And how do we get the research right so that the outcome is going to be similar to what we've achieved elsewhere? So, Gil, I'm going to give you a comp to Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady always gets asked what's the best Super Bowl he's won, and he always says the next one. You're kind of that way. You're like the Tom Brady of golf architecture. And uh, I don't know how many rings they give you at these golf courses, but maybe that's something you need to start, you know, kind of putting in the contract. Is at the end of the day, I want, I want a Southern Hills ring. You know, I want to have seven or eight rings on the fingers. So by the time we show up in Frisco in 2027, I'll have like a handful of them. I can look like Brady. <laughs> you you will. So what's the biggest difference between Southern Hills this week that we will see in full display at this PGA Championship versus Southern Hills the last time we saw it on this stage being the 2007 PGA? Uh, space. Um, you know, I was just looking at some images of 07 and, and to now, and it's just um, – yeah, it's amazing how how claustrophobic the golf course had become, and and how um, you know there was there was kind of one way to to play a lot of the shots. And I just watched Tiger's press conference, and and I thought that I mean he was very complimentary, which is great. I mean, greatest of all time gives you a compliment. You, that's very exciting. It's a great day. Um, but it's one of those things where he talked about options. He said, you know, the difference between now and 2007 is you're going to see guys play all these different shots. You know, they're going to be able to hit recovery shots. When they recover around the greens, it's not going to be just chunking it out of the rough. And I think from an architect's perspective, that's, you know, one of the greatest compliments we can get is that you have this, you know, these options and these abilities to play different shots. So I think it's it's a much more interesting golf course, probably not as penal, uh, although I think, you know, the forecast is for the wind to blow this week and it's going to be dry. So I think it'll be a firm and fast test, which will be great. But I think it's just those those different options and, and and different thought process. And hopefully, you know, the best architecture doesn't come from the architect. It doesn't the architect doesn't force you to do something. It doesn't right. we don't dictate to you this is the way you have to play this golf hole. That kind of one dimensional architecture I don't think is very interesting. And so, you know, what Tiger said was was great to hear because it, it reemphasizes the fact that Perry Maxwell did not build a one-dimensional golf course and that we seem to have been able to restore a course that has m- many dimensions. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the type of player that succeeds at Southern Hills now, and it's interesting that you brought up Tiger Woods because I've been thinking a lot about Tiger. I, I listen to you on No Laying Up, and I urge people to do that. And, uh, of course, I watched the fried egg video you did uh, with those guys, which I also urge people to yeah, watch. And we'll post, uh, well, yeah, you're, you're, I'm telling you, you are Brady. I'm surprised. I hope you're in the booth for Fox in a couple of years. But, uh, you know, for, for Tiger with Southern Hills now versus 07, do you feel like it plays more in his hands considering the fact that it is going to ask some different questions, especially around the greens? I think so. I think it is going to be a thoughtful cerebral player that wins here. Um, because you're gonna, your patience is gonna get tested, and we, you know, I'm not breaking any news saying you know the, the majors are are meant, you know, significant mental tests and how you navigate through these golf courses and how you navigate through the challenge. But I think here, given you know the opportunities to be creative, and if you can pull those shots off, and, and there's nobody that's more cerebral or thoughtful around a golf course than Tiger, so I think that automatically puts him with a chance up there. I hope physically. He's able to, you know, to compete for all four rounds. Uh, he seems to say that he can, and you know, who, who wouldn't think he could? And so I think if 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 it 
is the thoughtful test that we hope he'd have to be one of the guys that you'd like to you know give a real sh- a fighting chance to. What's going to be the most important part of players' games this week? Is it going to be around the greens? I know you mentioned patience. Is it going to be putting, chipping, pitching, uh, driving, iron play? What are you kind of circling as, you know, if you were looking at players to pick, what's the part of the game that you think will be the most important for success? I think it's going to be iron play. I really do. I mean, these are small targets, um, you know, with made even smaller by the fact that if you don't hit it to the edge, you're going to, you know, if you hit it near the edge, it's going to, it's going to funnel away and then you're going to have to show your creativity. So I think it's the guys who can control their balls and utilize some of the internal contours and, and stay away from the edges. Those are the guys that are going to have the most success here. What's a championship course that comes to mind that you feel like most resembles what we're going to see this week in Southern Hills? It sounds in a weird way, almost Augusta national. Like I know Augusta's greens are huge, but they're really small greens, you know, cause obviously the targets and the areas you're trying to hit it in are very, very small. What's a championship golf course that you feel like when people watch this week, they may think of, or players might think of a uh, blank golf course. I mean, I think Augusta and, you know, and Perry Maxwell, obviously, with his um, relationship there and coming in and rebuilding some of the greens and, and obviously his close relationship with Alistair McKenzie working as an associate for him, I think I think that's a great parallel. Um, you know, I think there's some slopes in the fairways where you've got to control your tee ball. You've got to hit really precise iron shots. Now, the greens here aren't as um, creative uh, as the ones at, at Augusta. And they're not of the same scale, but you're you're still going to have to use. You, know, you have to. You're going to see shots this week of, of players aiming away from the hole with their putts. So yeah, I, I think Augusta is a really good one. I think, you know, we don't see it much on television, but you know, last year with the Walker Cup, Seminoles, another one where yep. you know you've got these greens that if you get anywhere near the edges, the ball's feeding off of, and you're having to recover off of tight turf. So yeah, I think. Um, you know, really, really strong. Certainly, Seminoles a really strong second shot course, and I think that's going to be the case here. What was the most fun hole for you guys to get to restore? You know, what hole kind of pops in your mind as the one when you watch it on TV or you're out there walking this week? You'll be smiling as you're seeing the players take it on. I think probably the biggest change is number two. You know, restoring the split fairway and, and having you know multiple options off the tee. I don't know that we're going to see the players choose the left-hand option. Um, so I'm not sure that's the one I'm going to want to watch. But the, the one I think I'm going to want to watch is 10. Um, you know, shortish, par four. Uh, we've expanded the fairway dramatically to the left. The flattest part of the fairway is down by the creek, which has also been restored on the left. And that's the best angle into a green that slopes severely um, to the left. And I think that is the green if you if you want to see some drama, if – I mean, basically, the left side of the green is so sloped that if you you know have any spin going to the left and the ball hits the left side of the green, it's going to roll off. And it's not just going to roll off six feet below the green. It's going to roll off 20 or 30 feet below the green. There's a really steep drop-off over there. So I think you know for a shortish hole, it's going to require some really good positioning and thoughtful uh, tee shot and then you know, a really well-controlled shot into that green. So that's probably the one. And I tend to like to watch the shorter fours because 
it gives you a glimpse into what the guys are thinking. Yeah, you may have answered this, but is there a golf hole that maybe won't get the shine this week uh, that, you know, as you know, major championships, people fall in love with certain holes as the week goes on. Is there a hole that you feel like won't get the shine this week that might deserve it or might show up on Sunday all of a sudden be an integral part of the championship? I know the, the the first hole is actually if it plays nice. into the wind, which they're forecasting uh, this weekend, uh, it's it's a hard tee shot, and it's it's that green. You know, it, you really need to position yourself because coming over the front right bunker to a green that's kind of domed, and then in the back uh, falls away from you, and then if you go off the back of that green, you're rolling you know pretty close all the way down to the second. So I think it's it's a hole that we're going to see right off the bat, you know, in the, in the final round uh, or, you know, over the weekend, if, if guys struggle right out, you know, if somebody's got a couple shot lead, they could, you know, that could go away pretty quickly. So I think that first hole is really an interesting one. Gil, before tournament week, so like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, somebody like you is very, very busy. You're getting asked to do stuff like this and videos and interviews and things like that. And then Thursday rolls around and life gets relatively quiet. What's your plan? What's your Thursday through Sunday plan <laughs> as you kind of get set? Cause you know, I mean, you're, this is what the prep was for. I know the membership is wanting the golf course to come back to what it was, but you know, kind of getting to see the best in the world, take on a golf course that you spend so much time on is the exciting part for you. What is your viewing plan? Like a TV, are you going to be on the golf course? Going to walk around? What's Gil going to be doing? So uh, Tracy and I will be here Thursday. It's always nice to see at least one round and right. we'll, we'll wander around the golf course and then probably head home on Friday and watch it on TV over the weekend. Uh, you know, like you said, the, the people want to talk about the golf course now and they're interested in what the work that Jim and I did and how it all goes and the players are talking about, it. but once the first tee ball is struck, then it's all about the players. You know, really the golf course is the stage upon which they're performing and, and hopefully it's a great stage. And I always say as well, sort of tongue in cheek, if, if people want to talk about the golf course over the weekend, then probably something went wrong. And so that's really not the, <laughs> that's I don't a great point. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if you're getting a call on Saturday, it's bad news. It's not good news. Hey, Gil, well. why is the green like that? Why are the balls <laughs> running to the creek? And you're like, no, man, it's I'm good. off. I'm off. Yeah, I'm done. No, and, and that's really something that's interesting that we've learned. You know, really the first time we learned it was down in Rio for the Olympics. Is, you know, we do our job is done. You know, now the the course is in the hands of Kerry Haig, the setup right. guy for the PGA of America, and Russ Myers, the superintendent, and his talented staff. The way they set it up, the way they use it, hopefully we've done our job in giving them a ton of variety and a ton of options to set up the golf course. But we're done. You know, the arch, we get a, we get a ton of the credit, and we get, probably get a ton of the blame. But we really, you know, the, nobody's calling us to say, hey, what do you think about this whole location? You know, using it on Friday. That. That doesn't happen. You know, it really is up to those guys, and they do a great job of it. Yeah, they, the set the set of crews. It really is. I mean, if you're ever going to a tournament, especially a major, uh, and you get there early, you know, you're getting out there early in the day. It is worth going to those late holes and watching the setup process because it is way more elaborate, I'd say, than probably people think it is. I mean, there's multiple people out there testing hole locations, making sure it's exactly where they want it, how they want it, and what they want it to do and react around the holes. I mean, it's not one person out there cutting holes like, you know, your local nine-holer. I mean, it is. there's a lot of hands on deck for that. Yeah, it is, and I think that was one of the things I enjoyed most. You know, you and I are both doing U.S. Open coverage for, for Fox, was getting there early and walking with those guys and listening 
and hearing the conversation. And, and it was, it was amazingly thoughtful and well, well thought through and, you know, reactive to, to weather conditions or potential weather conditions. Um, but, you know, they also come into the week with a game plan, right? It's not like they're just making it up on, on Thursday morning. It's, you know, Kerry, I'm sure is pretty confident. He knows where the whole locations are going to be for each of the, uh, each of the rounds and how it's going to set up and he'll make some minor modifications if necessary. But it really, he's, he's got a good feeling going into this. All right, Gil, what other uh, projects do you have on the horizon? I mean, you don't take days off at this point. You're a little too busy to do that. So which projects can you tell us about? I'm assuming there's some you might not be able to, but what can you tell us about what's next? Well, what we're working on right now, we've got uh, three really good projects going. One in uh, San Francisco at Lake Merced Country Club, uh, doing a full restoration slash renovation of Alistair McKenzie work there. We've got a brand new golf course we're building down in Southern California in the desert. Uh, beautiful setting right up against the mountains, 18-hole private club, and then an 18-hole course in Nashville uh, out by a Golf Club of Tennessee. So we're, we're going full guns there with those, and we've got some, you know, some great restorations coming down the road at Yale, uh, at Oakmont. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches, the places we get to go to. It's really, really very, very exciting for all of us. Well, the Yale thing's exciting for me because I'm going to bug you to play <laughs> golf with me at least once, and I'm going to bug you to let me come out there and watch you do your work at least once. I mean, that's we, close. We and you know, get you on a yeah, I got to get on a tractor, get right? A That's right. I got to get on a dozer. Come watch. I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'll do work. I mean, you can All contract right. me out. I'm, I'm cheap. You don't have to pay me too much. Right. Uh, I, I did want to talk about a hoopie for a minute because I'd never seen it. I'd never done it. I'd never been and experienced it. It is everything you'd want it to be and more. And Gil, I don't want to take away from the golf golf course here, but it is the best food. I've ever eaten in my life. This isn't the best golf course food I've ever eaten in my life. This is the best food that I've ever eaten in my life. It was exceptional cuisine to go along with your amazing golf course. Well, thanks. And you know, it, it's what we say about a hoopie is Jim and I were were happy to do our play our part in it and and do our job. And thankfully, people think we did it well. But Michael Walrath, the owner and founder there, he got all the details right. I mean, he just nailed it on everything. The food, the concept of family-style food, you know, in a remote destination, it's difficult to have 48 steaks and 48 lobster tails and 48 swordfish, you know, just in case somebody wants. So it really works. Chef Chris is amazing. They do an amazing, you know, the the staff there makes you feel like you're home. The setup, the bar, the hang – Everything, like I said, Michael just killed it on all the details. So, you know, like I said, we're really happy that the golf and, – and, and also conceptually, Michael was the one who came up with the thought of a match play course. And, you know, no stroke play. You're here to play matches with your buddies. What does that mean for you golf course-wise? And that meant Jim and I was, was liberating. You know, it wasn't like, you know, you, you were playing a golf hole and you made an eight and you're like, oh, you know, you know Gil Hans is a terrible architect. You know, this is a bad golf hole. No, I lost the hole. All right, let's move on. Right, exactly. And so it gave us a chance to, to kind of push the, push the pedal a little bit further to the ground and give you some big, big risks, big rewards. And depending on where you are in the match, you can kind of plot your, your way around the golf course. So now it was, it was really 
cool project and, and, a, and a special place to be. You know, it allows, I can only imagine for you guys, and I mean, I'm not an, an architecture guy for goodness sakes, but I mean, obviously I've got a chance to kind of travel around and see some really cool places. And kind of my takeaway as I was looking at the golf course at a hoopie for you guys' perspective and for you guys' sake was the, uh, the opportunity probably to take more chances, you know, to have a little bit more fun, to bring in some scoring opportunities, you know, like the ninth hole I kept thinking about where – you know, you can take that green on, but even if you're five or eight yards right and deep of that green, now all of a sudden that is not a birdie hole anymore. Now you're just kind of trying to survive. I love that aspect of it because there were a lot of penal areas, and I'm sure if you were playing stroke play at times, you'd get maybe frustrated by it being over here or there. But in match play, I never heard anybody frustrated or upset about any hole location or bunker being where it is because, again, Playing match play is freeing, and it's it's not as stressful for everybody. And I just feel like people have more fun doing that. I'm I'm assuming there was liberation in the way you could design that because of what it was being designed for. Yeah, I mean that's that's just great commentary on on the game of golf and the different ways we play it. And you know we all believe that match play is by far the superior way to play it, and it's it's, it's the way golf was always originally played until we you know, put the card and pencil above that. And so I think it does, it, it gives you those opportunities. And I, and I just, like you said, I love the thought of, Hey, here's an opportunity at hole number nine. Let's say I'm, you know, this would never happen, but I'm too up on you in a match <laughs> there. And, and, you know, you're like, man, I better get going before we jump to the back nine. So you take that on and all I have to do is say, nah, I'm just going to hit, you know, hybrid out here is right. 80 yards of fairway. And so there's ways that you can either push your advantage or lay back. And, and that thought process, I think, is, you know, again, that's integra- integral to the soul of golf architecture is allowing, like I've said before, allow the golfer to plot their way around the golf course instead of the architect dictating to you, this is how you're going to play it. I feel like you must have been reading a lot of Pete Dye before doing a hoopie because uh, every tee shot, I'd walk up and go, is there 40 more yards of fairway on this hole too? And I mean, it was just so well disguised and there was so many bunkering and trees and, you know, again, I just, you crushed it. You guys did such a great job there. It was so much fun to see it for the first time. You know, I got a chance to play Boston golf last year. Uh, I remember texting you after that. And, uh, as I said to start, you're one of my favorite people, but I just I think you're so talented, you're so creative. I know you're humbled, and I know you don't love hearing these types of things. But every time I get a chance to see your work, Gil, I'm more and more impressed by uh, how damn good you are at this. And uh, I'm so pumped that everybody's going to get a chance to see Southern Hills. Obviously, Big Perry Maxwell involvement, but you know it's it's Gil there, you know, doing what he does to bring it back to what it was. So uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for doing what you do for the game of golf. And uh, like I said, I'll be bugging you when you get up to Yale. That sounds great. I look forward to it. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Gil. An enormous thanks to Gil for jumping on and uh, chatting with me for 20 minutes. He is very, very busy, so thanks to Gil for that. Thanks to you for continuing to listen and support the podcast. Make sure you're following me on social media at Shane Bacon on Twitter and Instagram. I'll be tweeting throughout the week. Uh, I've got some more new stuff coming out in the next few weeks as well. And uh, also, I got the company. I'm reminding you that I've got a logo company called Ground Under Repair. Check it out at GUR.designs on Instagram and uh, give us a follow. Check out what we're doing. We've got some new stuff and we've got a big 4th of July merch drop coming very, very soon. And I'm telling you, it is stuff you're going to want to buy. It's going to sell it very, very fast. So we'll let you know about that when it comes up sooner than later on the podcast. But yeah, have a great week. Enjoy the major. Get a Grip with Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.